2: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
3: Good afternoon, everybody. Got a little bit of frog in my throat, uh, so I apologize ahead of time. But let's start out with thinking really positive. Let's talk about one of the great leaders of all time, Alexander the Great. Without knowledge, skill cannot be focused. Without skill, strength cannot be brought to bear. And without speed, knowledge may not be applied. I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by lions. In the end, when it's over, all that matters is what you've done. And just one because it's the Christmas season. True love never has a happy ending because there is no ending to true love. Ain't that the truth? Um, Anyway, it's uh, Saturday, so I must be on. And, you know, I was looking at a few things. And uh, one of the things I thought was pretty interesting is... You know, Lori Calvacino is kind of early on her call on small caps, but I think she's hit the nail on the head. So, you know, uh, small caps are, you know, first of all, they tend to have very solid performance during presidential election years. Um, I don't know if it's because they let the money flow, whatever, but, you know, small caps are hit by interest rates, probably the hardest simply because a lot of them have variable uh, interest on their loans. Okay, so that's, that's a big problem. The other problem is a lot of the small caps need money. Um, so if, if Mr. Powell said the other day, uh, he thought things were going to loosen up, of course, the, the, the head of the New York Fed said the exact opposite on uh, Friday. Um, if they're going to loosen up, there's a lot of names out there, like the solar names and the biotech names and the small cap names that are going to be able to get money. Finally. Okay. There's 20 months of this. Uh, rarely have we had six, three quarter point hikes, you know, in a long time. So small caps, um, they look very cheap versus large caps in both growth and value. And that's important too. So this is, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a fairly recent development, uh, especially after the Silicon Valley fiasco, uh, a lot of small caps did business with them. So, you know, think think about that. Now, investor sentiment went, you know, o- went over <laughs> overboard this week. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about being overbought short term, being very positive long term. And earnings uh, sentiment has improved. Uh, the rate of upward earnings per share estimate revisions for the SP 500 has moved up to 50%. That means 50% they think are going higher and 50%. And that's a pretty good number, by the way. And there's been a dramatic improvement in U.S. fund flows, which worries me a little bit. You know, that and the and the uh, people being too enthusiastic worries me a little bit, but just in the short run, okay? Just in the short run. So, I, you know, if the Fed starts to lower rates, I, I think you got to be thinking hard about a soft landing, all right? Uh, recession or stock landing, that's the big question. Proponents of both have evidence that they can hang their hat on, but the debate won't be settled for months here. So amid the uncertainty though, framing the investment picture, we can explore how to position portfolios um, and what types of stock to buy. Uh, so the debate rages on and, and the question is on everybody's mind, will we go into a recession? Will we not? And, you know, look, the recent data, after non-farm payrolls rose by 199,000 in November, uh, the expectations was, uh, I think, 185, most of the street agreed there was a very healthy labor market, and hence a strong economy with a soft landing in sight. Those concerned, uh, an uh, economic contraction may be in the offing, uh, focused instead on an average hourly earnings. And this is a level consistent with 2% inflation target that the, the Fed talked about. So, you know, there we go. Uh, you know, look, with economic data being very volatile, often, well, they're offering contra- uh, contra- <laughs> contradicting blues at best uh, or par- poor quality at worst, you know? So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, we're in the camp those expecting that. You know, we could have a mild recession, but you got to remember the government is going to spend two trillion dollars in the first two months of 2024. Two trillion dollars. It's going to be hard to have a big recession during that period of time. And I'm getting that right from the horse's mouth. Okay, so um, I, if it's going to be a recession, it's going to be mild. And you know, the, the tightening. I think the tightening's done, and that's the key. It, you know, can we hold up on, on the tightening side? And since 1950s, there there's been three soft landings. Um, small sample, okay. 1960s, the the mid 1980s, and the mid 1990s. And each of those episodes, the S and P 500 formed. You know, did pretty well, at gaining more than 30 percent. Okay, so we'll see what happens um, now. Paul Danis, who's the head of our asset allocation um, at RBC Berwin Dolphin, which is a division here, points out that the specific or indiocratic circumstances contributed to each of these rallies. All right. Uh, in the 1966 soft lending, the Fed loosened monetary policy very quickly, which fueled the rally, obviously. Heading into the 1984 episode, the Fed funds rate was over 6%. The steep decline to one percent was instrumental in driving that, obviously. And then um, in in nineteen eighty four, I mean nineteen ninety four. I am sorry. Uh, you had globalization that contained inflation and, and boosted profit margins. So that that was the you know. So there is always a reason, but we are We've held the uptrend line going back to two thousand nine. So that's that's a big that's a big plus. The other thing. For the first time in three years, the bond market rallied. That means the price of the bonds went up and yields went down. For the first time in three years, you've been getting beaten up in bonds. And there's a very dominant November performance by bonds. And we talked about that last week. And I, I think, you know, two, two things. Um you know corporate bonds did well but municipals look really interesting now because they're they're almost 70, 70 80% of the yield of the treasury and they're tax free all right so some things to think about you know our view is that both monetary policy and slowing economic growth are likely to be tail um, tailwinds for fixed income next year but if you're in you're probably going to you know your your bonds will rally okay that's the good news so um, you know, municipals prove they're worth following a, a challenging performance year for bonds, I think. Um, you know, a lot of people prepared eulogies for the municipal market in 2023. And the, to my surprise, by the way, and to, I think to a lot of other people's surprise, the market caught a lot of people off guard and reversed course following October's dismal performance and, and became one of the best places to be. So that, that's kind of interesting that, you know, so I mean, if you want to hear more about municipal bonds. We have a great desk, I mean, a phenomenal desk. Um, you know, beverages, um, if stocks only traded on fundamentals, we believe making the right picks in 2024 would be pretty straightforward. However, the, the situation is more complex, you know, potential investor anticipation of, of rate cuts. Uh, the GLP-1 concerns, moderating hard versus soft landing, just a few dynamics that could move the consumer staple uh, staple sector up or down. Evaluations look cheap relative to the start of the year, and, and a lot of that is because of the weight loss drugs. All right, so we are constructive. You, RBC is constructive. Uh, Nick Modi. Um, is a, a good analyst, a good solid analyst, and he's very constructive on the, the consumer staples this year after the sell-off. You know, but he still remains cautious because with most investors expecting the Fed to start cutting rates around mid-year, the sector will probably remain out of favor. You know, wh- What people are going to do is they're going to skew their money to higher growth areas of the market. So fundamentally, we believe there's going to be some ongoing pressure on volumes Against the backdrop of a deteriorating consumer could lead to more revenue earnings for share misses. So I guess our thoughts on the consumer environment, we see a mixed bag when it comes to the global consumer. We expect the U.S., developed Europe, China, and Middle East to be weak spots with the rest of emerging markets likely driving the majority of the volume and the price growth in that group. All right. So there's, there's some key themes, I think, for 2024. Number one, volume growth. You need volume growth going forward, I think. The question is where to find it. Shifting competitive landscapes and M&A. That's another big one. Um, M&A is at mergers and acquisitions for those of you who don't know. And then GLP-1. If you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be in these stocks. Um, we expect the dialogue around it to continue, especially as volumes for packaged goods and beverage goods continue to struggle. So uh, we have some top ideas. I'm not going to tell you what those are. you got to send away from them. Um, I keep talking about, I'm going back to this each time, but I, I think there's some things you got to think about right now. They've made a big move, okay? But, you know, we had our RBC Global Technology, Internet, Media, and, and Telecommunications Conference. And, man, some of these things have made big moves. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: so I think you got to, you know, the key themes were, Efficient growth uh, is the strongest theme for software right now. Two PE uh, private equity continues to consolidate software tech, and private equity owned companies are pitched as the best governance uh, model. So when they start to come public again, that be you know that that's when you know when things are going to be heating up. And uh, we had a panel d- during that, and they were very bullish on the long term cloud growth, and they think it quadruples to one. One trillion dollars, which I think is very important. And as for the risk of customers going back on their permanent, you know, thoughts, it was noted um, that it's more of a negotiation tactic versus a trend. Okay, because there's a lot of guys, you know, they're bartering right now. And then, you know, generative AI is a real trend, folks. And I keep talking about it. It's moving fast, and some of these stocks are starting to take off. Uh, The smaller ones now, the big ones led the way now the smaller ones. And, um, anyway, we've got a great report on that. If you'd like it, uh, you know, go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast down to the smart investor show. You go directly to my webpage and there's all sorts of contact me, email me, you know, on there. So, uh, by the way, there's, there's a, uh, bulletin board right below the main heading. And that has a weekly newsletter and Rob Schleimer's weekly piece. And then under Insight, we just had a couple new pieces in there, and I think it's really great, good stuff that uh, I'd be reading if I were you. Now, you know, I said last week we're in the home stretch, okay, at the end of the year. So what would we be doing? Think about a wealth plan, thinking about a family inventory workbook, think about getting organized, okay? You know, believe me, I've been in some people's houses before, and they're really good people, but. They're not organized, and their financials are important. And believe me, if if your kids or the people you're passing stuff on to don't know where everything is, that could be a problem. All right, but you know, I we've talked about information technology being up forty seven percent, and we kind of pounded the table on that back in January and February. Now, communication services was something I wasn't expecting, and, and consumer discretionary I did talk about a little bit. But the NASDAQ Composite is up 31%. The S&P is up 20 So these are big moves. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, the other thing is dividend yields. If you didn't have a dividend yield, you were up big this year. The best performer was up 165%. The average was up 9.5%. If you had a greater than three percent yield, you were down thirteen percent. All right, uh, you know the worst performer in that category. By the way, the worst performer in the zero yield was down seventy five percent. But the worst performer in a yield orientation was down fifty eight percent. The best was up forty three. So, it's been, you know, the so called magnificent seven has delivered an average return approaching a hundred percent. It's hard though to buy just those stocks. Okay, if you're Running your portfolio, you know, you got to be careful with that type of stuff. And But the five largest publicly traded U.S. equities constitute more than one-fourth, one-fourth of the S&P 500, a level not seen in the last 37 years. And really, the last time we saw it was with the nifty-fifty back in the 70s, and we all know what happened there. Uh, we won't go into that. But um, when viewed in relation to treasury yields, equity markets looked expensive in 2023. Um, but not terribly, okay? But, you know, the one area was the dividend aristocrats. They're still almost a standard deviation half below their normal area, and it's a good time to buy them, I think, my humble opinion. Small caps too, by the way, but uh, we're going to talk about that more uh, in detail going forward, but, you know, uh, S&P 500 earnings, while they're volatile in the last five years, have only grown in annualized rate of 6.2%. So from 2018 through the forecast of 2020. So the pause in in 2019 came on the heels of the Trump era tax cuts. So we'll see. You know, since 2011, earnings have grown at 8.5 annually. That's a pretty big rate, you know. So those, you know, what I'm saying is, We've been in this big consolidation for two years. Everybody called it bear market. That's what you know, a lot of people look at uh, consolidations are. But the, the bear market was only for six months. And if you would have stayed, you know, I talked about the bottom in September on the charts of last year. And that was the bottom. And sure, there's been, you know, we had Silicon Valley, which had, there was a disturbance in the force, shall we say. And then the market just was just oversold and started rallying on its own. There was no news and back in, in uh, March and April. So I think, you know, uh, you know, the 10 year treasury has, you know, was 5% a month ago, nine weeks ago. It's now 3.9. That's a big move down, just like the move from 3.2 to 5 in two months. So there's some volatility. Usually, uh, the volatility occurs at the end of a cycle. All right. So just keep that in mind. All right. Um. Let's take a break, all right? So I can get some water, so I can actually talk for the next <laughs> next uh, set. Let's. Uh, we'll be right back to the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. <music>
4: Us at coats bros roofing want to wish all of you a very merry christmas with your loved ones and kindness enough to share all season long and a special thank you to all of our customers and partners for your continued trust and support coats bros roofing your hometown roofing contractor for all your roofing needs call 440-322-1343
0: download the free whk mobile app and listen to your favorite whk programs or podcasts on the go it's free in your app store
5: from America's number one travel radio show, this is your RM World Travel Minute. I'm Mary Carey. Thanks for joining me today. With the busy travel holiday season upon us, are you traveling with your debit card or your credit card? We say try to use your credit card over your debit. Here's why. Scammers work year round, but we do see an increase in fraud during the busy holiday season, and debit cards are a frequent target. For example, if your credit card is skimmed, let's say from a gas pump and used for a fraudulent purchase, you have zero liability from the bank. But with debit cards, criminals can drain your account and you may not get it all back. For those of you renting cars this busy December, the rental company will typically put a hold of a few hundred dollars on your card. On a debit card, this can be a big deal financially, with a credit card not as much. Hotels put holds on cards too in case there's room damage, and it can even take a few days after checkout for that hold on your card to be released. So in most cases, the protection that credit cards give you over debit cards are why we recommend them for all your travels, especially during the busy holiday season. For more travel info, you can connect with us anytime at rmworldtravel.com. Merry Christmas and happy travels, everyone. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good times.
3: Hard to interrupt this song. Anyway, uh, you know, I've been listening to uh, our head strategist, Lori Calvacina, and uh, I'll get her name right in another couple years, Uh, (laughs) and uh, several other. And I And I found that Lori kind of summed it up pretty well, but there's four areas that she's intrigued by. Small caps, which we've talked about for about six months. And they're starting to, I mean, if you would have been in them, you would have fell back and now you'd be up about 5% in less than a month. Uh, healthcare. Healthcare has been in the doghouse. I mean, uh, I was reading where they thought that We were full standard deviation below Hillary Care, and Hillary Care was the worst I've ever saw for healthcare stocks. The third one is dividend growth and prime income list, okay? Which I highly recommend. You you know you go to WHK fourteen twenty, just click on the thing, contact me, email me, and we'll send you it out. They're a full standard deviation and a half below where they normally are. That's when you make look you buy yield when it's up, you know, if you would have bought, you know, I, I was talking about CDs for the first time on the show back in September of last year, you know, we we're getting five and a half percent on a year, you know, some, there's some five and a half percent that can get out for 10 years. That's a pretty good idea. I think at this point, but the key, and then the third or the fourth area is semiconductors and software. So that seems to be, those are the four areas that all these, I, I listened to five strategists and those areas are areas they, they like. So what are we recommended today? We've, we haven't recommended healthcare yet, but the chip industry is going through a revolution, meaning they're bringing back the chips on shore via government programs. That could be a huge bonus for some of the people that are involved. We talked about the, technology, internet, media, and telecommunications. It, you can get that stuff. We talked about dividend growth and prime income list. Now, uh, you know, Lori's big on, she She says the time is now. She's very bullish on small caps. And we have our RBC market US small cap growth list too. So uh, like I said, you go to those and we uh, talk later. <laughs> uh, I've, I've picked several good ideas there. And I noticed, I was doing my charts this morning, you know, because I do them before the show. And one of the things I noticed is I didn't recognize hardly any of the symbols. I wrote like three pages down. They were all $1, $2, $3 stocks. Some of them were smaller names that were $20 or $30 stocks. Uh, so there was very few big cap names. Isn't that interesting? Maybe maybe Lori's right here. So. I guess, you know, the equity markets right now are resolving a two-year trading range to the upside. So, look, I, I was listening to Rob Schleimer and I, I was listening to some other people who are in the technical field, and Rob thinks there's further upside likely in 2024. Now, the problem is we've come a long way fast. I mean, you know, small caps are up 15% in eight weeks, all right? The S&P 500 is up 9% in that same period of time. So. The weekly or the daily momentum is overbought, and you know, in in Rob's case, what he looks is at is the quadrant balance oscillator, and that you know went from totally oversold. That was last week in October. What do we say? Go away in May and come back All Souls Day. Well, if you did that, <laughs> you made a lot of money. <laughs> you were up. Uh, hold it! I gotta find my thing here. Uh, so you, you were up about 8% or 8% from All Souls Day. Not a bad call, huh? So the key here, I think, is we've had this bearish to bullish transition that's taken two years. And, you know, if you look at some of, you know, if you go on my webpage and go to Trend and Cycle Roadmap, or it'll say TNC Roadmap, it's, it's right under the newsletters, you'll see that it's been a two-year struggle, all right? But if you came in in September of last year, like we said, you've made quite a bit of money this year. I mean, look, I've got a lot of clients up big this year. And so we're making that transition, I think, um, to resolve this two-year trading range. And if it, you know, the Dow established an all-time new high this week, all right? That's a breakout, folks. So. We, uh, I should say this, Rob Schleimer continues to view the technical backdrop for equities as positive and consistent with four-year cycle framework, which we've been talking about ad nauseum for the last four years. <laughs> so the 2024 U.S. election cycle will likely create more volatility through the year, but we expect a broader cycle dra- uh, backdrop will have upside. Now, it's one of those things where you know the Russell 2000 small cap index uh, is lagging, but it's showing some serious signs of improving. And you know we think maybe interest rates likely have established their cycle highs, uh, at least in November. That's what Rob says, and he's what Rob Rob Schleimer is our head technician, a very good one, by the way. A smaller stock uh, cap stocks are showing early signs improving and have been trading sideways for almost 18 months. So that's what we call a base folks. All right. Now, as bad as you think it is, that's a base. So with a break below anything, I think 1641 that that would signal that the economy is deteriorating. And I'm talking about the, you know, the the Russell 2000. So keep that number in mind, 1641. But if we break 2100, I think the opposite's happening. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, The ten-year yield, which you know I I don't really mess with, but uh, you know has broken down pretty hard. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Um, But semiconductors and industrials, um, you know, the the technical behavior of the of the stocks index and the S&P industrial sector do not suggest a recession is pending. Remember, the government's going to spend two. Trillion dollars in the first two months of next year, 2024. Two trillion dollars. It's going to be hard to have a recession, I think. All right. So the stocks is behaving consistent, consistently with an emerging bull market type of scene. Okay. And so it's rebounding from, you know, 2022 was a bad market for semis. And it's resolving this four-year, four year, four. You know, two hundred week moving average thing, and it paused for a few months at the prior highs. Now is resolving to the upside to make cycle highs. That's that's big, okay. So we have found that. And by the way, this is one of those groups that, you know, Lori was talking about: semiconductors, software, dividend growth, which a lot of industrials are in there. By the way, uh, small caps, prime income, dividend growth products. Okay, at healthcare is. I think it's going to get interesting coming up, but the S&P 500 industrial sector is also noteworthy, technically having consolidated in a, in a really broad trading range for, the, for two years now, so above the two-week moving average, and, and that's, that's important. So using a measuring technique, 162% extension of the two-year range suggests like 1,043 uh, would be the next pause point. For the SP, I mean, for the, the industrial sector now. Okay. So, you know, stocks are breaking out, uh, stocks index breaking out, the, the industrial sector is close to breaking out. Um, it, those are two places where you might want to go. Uh, and I have a lot of names in that area that uh, we'd be glad to talk to you about. Now, one of the things I keep stressing here is the AI area. And like I said, I've been offering this. Uh, technology, internet, media, and telecommunications uh, summary, and I think it's worth your weight in gold, but it, or it's worth its weight in gold, but remember, most of these, one of the key reasons I like them is they have strong uh, financial performance, they have huge investments, well, not huge, but pretty good size investments in AI, and it's seen integration into multiple aspects of business operations, including cloud platforms and data centers and all that stuff, and they're monetizing it. <laughs> That's important. Also, there's still the GPU so- shortage. Now, GPU is is the the thing that creates the AI. All right. There's a shortage of them, so that means the chip people and the people who make the GPUs are going to have some. You know, it's, it's like Boeing. People don't uh, you know talk about Boeing much, uh, and I'm not recommending Boeing by the way. But you know, they have a large orders. You know, so you got to be careful there. Um. But CapEx growth and data center expansion is another thing we talk about, and that is still available for anybody who would like to see it. But, uh, you know, it, it is a situation where, you know, uh, that group is probably going to do well. I, I think we're, where the Internet started back in 1990, you know, 5, 6, and 7, that's where it really started getting off the ground. But let's take a, a, a quick break, and we'll be right back. We can talk about bond yields. For a while, okay. Stay tuned.
2: Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party, whistle tow
4: home where you can see every couple tries to stop.
1: Wallick a doodle, sewer repair. Now, you might be thinking there's nothing wallakadoodle about sewer line problems, and we're with you on that. But if you do need to repair your sewer, there's always a walla-cadoodle solution. Most of the time, Wyatt Works can repair your sewer line with an advanced pipelining solution that eliminates the need to dig up your yard. Rather than replacing your clay sewer pipes, we'll line them with a smooth, incredibly durable epoxy capable of lasting a 100 years. The pipe lining's completed in about a day with no mess in your yard, and it guarantees no more root intrusion or clogs. It's a permanent solution that works like, well, doodle. We even warranty it for life. And it comes with guaranteed upfront pricing and easy payment options. Now, most clogs can be fixed with our flat rate drain clearing. But if you called someone else for drain clearing and they want to dig up your yard and spend all week replacing your sewer line, well, call for a second opinion from the Wallacadoodle Plumbers at WyattWorks.com.
0: The Cleveland Orchestra and music director Franz Welser-Most present the Magic Flute. Mozart's final opera. A timeless classic about truth and reason, love and enlightenment, good and evil. The Cleveland Orchestra performs Mozart's Magic Flute, May 16th through 26th at Severance, as part of the Mandel Opera and Humanities Festival. ClevelandOrchestra.com
4: When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216 774 8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE FINRA SIPC. I haven't seen. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh,
3: that was that was around when we were young, right?
4: So um,
3: <laughs> I had a uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike call this week and say, "Tim, you know, give me a brief synopsis on on this higher bond yield environment." And I guess the I, I kind of thought that he was asking about. Uh, what it means for equities okay and first it reduces the need to buy equities for income in order to make a long-term financial plan work okay and if you haven't done a uh, wealth plan i highly recommend it uh, i've been talking to people more and more about this because it's probabilities if you do something or if the you, you know the market goes down 50 percent what do you what can you do all right so You know, at one point in the post-pandemic period, more than 60% of the stocks in the S&P 500 sported dividend yields in excess of the 10-year treasury bond yield. Rather than make a multi-year commitment to a bond paying an artificially low rate, an investor was able to acquire the shares of a seasoned, probably well-known company with a higher yielding dividend and offering the prospect that the dividend could be raised. As a consequence, fueled by the need to boast portfolio income, equity exposure, and individual investors' crypt over the stretch where the bond yields were deeply suppressed, okay? So today, obviously, uh, you know, income pickup advantage is widely available in our view for bonds, okay? So companies possessing dividend yields with competitive or better than bond yields, often have other issues attending them, all right? Meaning they have too much debt or something like that. So if individual investors and pension funds find themselves able to achieve their long-term target and take less risk in the process, many may choose to do that, all right? Now, the need for companies to refinance old loans and take on new ones in this higher rate world means corporate interest rates are likely to rise. So it's going to squeeze profit margins too, by the way. Okay. So that's the other thing. And and, um, so only the largest, most seasoned businesses were able to use the pandemic to, you know, to use the ultra low interest rates to issue long-term bonds. Many others had to accept shorter maturities. And finally, you know, sharply rising borrowing costs reduced the spendable income of customers, both individual and best business. So U.S. consumers are contending with higher rates for mortgages, car loans, credit cards. At the same time, 44 million Americans are back making monthly payments on student loans. So, you know, the hard versus soft landing is going to be the big question. And like I said, I don't think it's going to be a hard landing just simply because of government spending. Uh, you know, and that, that's that's what I'm banking on. Now I know some people within my company that think there could be, you know, a semi-hard landing. You know, so that's okay. But I just think government spending is going to keep it going, and you got to keep that in the back of your head. Um, you know, because last I checked, <laughs> two trillion dollars is a lot of money. Uh, anyway, I, I I read a really good report. I'm just going to talk about it, and it's, it's talking about how to and burn waste for profit, and uh, that—that's something that, that you got to call me and talk about. I'm not going to send that out. I just think it's a really good, good thing. By the way, we do have a piece on year-end planning. You know, look—you're starting a new year. Do a wealth plan. Do a family inventory workbook. Get this list of what you know what you need to do. Uh, you know, income tax strategies, tax-related strategies. Retirement planning, you know, gifting has all that on there. Uh, so it's it's a two pager. Doesn't take you long. Be worth worth your weight in gold. Go to WHK fourteen twenty local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. Just hit the contact me or email me. I think it's a definite uh, definite good idea. So I <laughs> I had a conversation with uh, Mike. Uh, a long conversation this week and uh, you know, he uh, is going to do a wealth plan. He's not a client yet. He's going to do a wealth plan. And uh, I I found it interesting. He said, why do you keep talking about the long run? Because I think television and notably one or two different uh, programs have turned everybody into a trader. And I'm telling you, some of the smartest people in in our industry, don't trade that much. Now, they have mutual funds, maybe, that they have to move in and out of because of people selling their mutual fund or buying their mutual fund. But for the most part, they have core positions, which they keep. You know, Warren Buffett said, they asked him what his preferred ownership time was, and he said forever. Okay? So, he's a pretty smart guy. Charlie Munger's right behind him. God rest his soul. Um, so... As we noted, most equity markets enter the beginning of November from pretty much deeply oversold intermediate-term levels, and and they were supportive of a rebound. And uh, now the short-term pause in December appears likely because we're really overbought. It's not bad overbought. When you make a move like this, you know, everybody got excited, okay? Go away in May, come back on All Souls Day. But even if you would have gone away in May, you would have missed part of it because, Look, uh, the last two or three months were tough, right? They're a great buying opportunity. And I would suggest that growth stocks were showing evidence of bottoming first in November. Uh, They are much less timely right now, okay? Um, Like I said, I, I think the three areas that I'd be looking at right now are on pullbacks, semiconductors. I like the industrials a lot. And one area that nobody's talking about is energy. You know, energy looks like they're making bottoms. Uh, right now, I know of three stocks I'd like. I'm not to tell you those, but I, I bought some Friday, um, and I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, they've been generally moving with interest rates, and oil uh, has pulled back. While concerns of an economic slowdown and production quotas are, are weighing on the sector, I think some people are starting to realize, hey, we're going to spend $2 trillion in the first quarter and the and the Biden administration just announced the lowest amount of new production uh, contracts in history. So oil's going to be around for a while I think, all right? And remember, this four-year low deal we you know, we have four-year cycles within these generational uh, cycles of 16 to 18 years. And people say, "Well, didn't we just go through a, a bear market?" Yeah. Nah. yeah. Bear markets happen. You know, we had two, two or three bull markets in the 2000 to 2016 bear market. You know, if you would have bought in 2008, you would have looked great, all right? You would have bought at the bottom of 2003, you had three years of a bull bull market. But you also had two fifty sell-offs, all right? So that's when somebody tells you, hey, I, I should have bought an S P and p 500 fund. Well, that's great in a bull market. But if you would have bought it, Literally in 2000, you wouldn't have made any money until 2016. All right. So, you know, sometimes it's when, when I hear them say it on, on the, the uh, TV, I get kind of crazy, but we still should be okay. And the current 16 to eight year cycle, 18 year cycle, uh, probably peaked somewhere around 2034, if uh, Rob Schleimer's right. And, and just remember, um, you know, during the, the great bull market of the 80s, we had 1987, we had 1990 when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. We had 1998, the Russian ruble crisis, we had a couple whoops in 1995. So they just happened faster. This was a 20-month deal, okay? Now, if you look at the S&P 500 and the 10-year yields, they're joined at the hip. So when you get to 5%, that's kind of a nasty area for the 10-year yields. But we've pulled back from there, so we'll see what happens. Usually when you pull back from there, that's when the market starts to take off. So we'll keep our fingers crossed, but you know, you just got to think about that repetitive four-year cycle. It's coming to an end. I've been talking about it for nine months now. (laughs) I get a little, I, you know, when I get on my horse, I ride it and it's coming to an end. So we've had six to nine months to buy good stocks. And I think, you know, there'll be one more chance here because I think, you know, normally when you get an overbought situation like this it, it's a sideways movement there'll be certain stocks that go up and it won't give you much time to look at them but you know so they'll, they'll they'll just take off okay uh, they, they may show up on my charts once or twice and then take off so um, I, I saw a lot of that in the last two weeks but remember the monthly momentum and if we look at the distance between the four-month moving average and the 13-month moving average, it's still positive. So when that happens, usually you're in a bull phase. When when we spread too far apart, you know that's when the you know we have too big a deviation statistically. One's going to they're going to contract to go to uh, the other one. So the four-month gets too far above, it contracts and comes back to the the uh, 200-month. And vice our 13 month and vice versa but we're still positive um, so if you another way to track this relationship between the two moving average is to measure the vertical difference between the two and plot the difference as a histogram and that's what Rob schleimer does and it's still positive so keep your fingers crossed uh, but you know a couple things the fourth year of election cycle has been good all but three or four times uh, so you know we have three cycles with Really high returns and four had positive uh, biases. They tend to be choppy. You know, getting closer to the election, things get a little bit uh, weaker. But the bulls are at 48% now. Remember when we first started talking about this, the bulls were at 19, and now the bears are at 19. So uh, we're a little bit too bullish right now, okay? In the short run. So is it the end of the world? No but you want to use weakness. You want the stocks to come back to you. All right. Um, un- unless you're buying energy stocks, I think you want to buy those, you know, pretty much, uh, I-, I like them a lot. So we'll, we'll keep it from there. So anyway, it's, it'll be one of those uh, times. I think that, uh, going sideways or, you know, go back a little bit, you know, just to, to make sure that everybody gets frightened again. Uh, <laughs> ain't life grand. Huh? Uh, and, but it, it helps, you know, people get too enthusiastic, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when stocks break out, getting a client to buy a stock, even if the bullish percent's at five, doesn't happen. They, they just get scared, okay, which is exactly the, you know, the, the contrary scenario that you're looking for, okay? When you're scared, it's the best time to buy. But anyway, it is the end of the year, family inventory workbook. The wealth plan, you know. By the way, healthcare—we've got a great, you know, short thing on wealth, uh, healthcare, in, in retirement. It's very important. I think all those three. You can get it by going to my webpage. So let's take a break, and we're going to come back and look at some things on the weekly charts and see what happens. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles
1: will be out of sight. The straight talk and hard work and do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way we really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. walla doodle Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog busting or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call Why It Works and consider it done. License number
0: 30185.
3: the uh, classic uh, guitar thing from, uh, what's his name? I can't remember anyway. So, thank you. <laughs> well, who is that again, Lenny? Brian Adams. Okay, there we go. That uh, That's the, uh, the cu- guitar solos of the 50s and 60s. There we go. Anyway, we had a great thing this week. Uh, Dan Shurness, who's our international economist. Uh, talked about some key conclusions, and uh, he was talking about the intense and highly synchronized tightening of global monetary conditions delivered over the past months has started to bite, and so he's a little bit worried about that. Softness is being seen in leading indicators, which you know he's worried about, and he, and a positive outcome from tighter financial conditions and slowing e- economic activity is that inflation will continue to cool, and and finally. It is becoming increasingly apparent that central banks may have already delivered enough monetary tightening, and I think those three things are are things you got to think about. So if you're sitting on the sidelines, that was a bad idea. Uh, had a couple of folks uh, step out at the wrong time, and I no comment. Anyway, um, so if if we're revisiting the long term chart for the S and P, you got to you got to be thinking about this four year cycle. With 2024 uh, being the year four of the cycle of the election cycle, number one, history suggests a positive return. And very short term, most equity markets remain overbought following strong rebounds in November. And we talked about the quadrant balance indicator back the last two weeks of October. It, I mean, it hit the bottom perfectly. And look, uh, the major challenge for investors remains the dominant leadership by mega cap growth, okay? Because I don't think anybody wants all their stocks, you know, all their participation in seven stocks. But participation and breadth is showing evidence of broadening within the S&P 500. The equal weight broke its downtrend line uh, versus the, the S&P 500, which, is you know, so the equal weight is one vote for each, sto- each stock. S&P 500 is capitalization weighted, and that's a good, and then, uh, but also uh, it, it lost to the treasury bond, the 10-year treasury bond. So that's something, that's the first time it's happened in a while. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward. And I think large cap growth versus value uh, has rallied back to the uh, 2021, 2022 high. And there's some, uh, I think there's some early evidence that near term, we're, we're getting a little bit of a pullback. Uh, we'll see what happens. Now, the high beta, that's the industrials versus low beta, has bottomed at its 2020, uh, 2020 uptrend line, and the, the participation is broadening in the cyclicals, so uh, even beyond the semiconductors. So industrials, I think, include semiconductors these days, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think growth in technology, um, industrials, healthcare, the uh, healthcare seems to be broadening quite a bit. And then the small caps have made a pretty big move off the bottom. So, you know, the monthly up, if you look at the S&P 500 on a monthly uh, basis, the uptrend's still intact. You know, uh, the cyclical momentum remains positive. Now, it's showing some signs of slowing, okay? And, you know, we've had a lot of people buy when it was down low, okay? So, I just think you have some resistance at 48.18 on the S&P and your key support is 3,800 and 3,500. Um, now, like I said, the relative performance of the S&P 500 equal weight versus bonds, bonds took over this, this last two weeks. So uh, when you have a move down from 5% to 3.9% on the 10-year treasury, you made a lot of money on bonds. All right. So that's, you know, that's good. And. I, I think it's important that, you know, we talked about the seasonality. We talked about go away in May, come back on All Souls Day. Well, you know, July, July was a good month. June was a good month. And we actually bottomed at the end of uh, March, and there was no news, no reason for the bottom. And I like that. So, the you know, the mo- momentum here was strictly on weaker economic activity, but... I don't think, like I said, you know, if, if this government's going to spend the $2 trillion they're talking about, I don't think you have a problem going forward. So I just think intermediate term, weekly momentum is still positive. The daily's overbought, and the quadrant balance oscillator is is fairly overbought, too. So, uh, you know, we're, we should pull back is what I'm suggesting, or go sideways. You know, you can alleviate an overbought situation by going sideways or, go, or going down, one of the two. So uh, the other thing that may, may happen is that the Russell or the micro caps may move forward during this pe- period of time because of the January effect. So you might have the S&P stall for a while or the NASDAQ stall for a while and the smaller names go ahead. So just keep that in mind. So what do we do? Well, like I said, I, I, there's four areas we're we're very positive about number one semiconductors and software. I told you about that report; it's available to you. Healthcare, healthcare is really cheap. Dividend growth and the prime income list. Dividend growth—you know—the the dividend aristocrats are one and a half standard deviations below where they normally are. All right, that's because interest rates went up. Well, they're going down, so let's see what happens. But you know, dividend growth is is. When yields are up, you buy them. I keep say I'll say that until the day I die. When yields are up, that's when you buy them. Okay, so you could have been buying you know CDs for the last year at five and a half, five and a quarter percent per year, and ain't a bad deal. All right, it's a little harder to buy the the ten year. You don't know about that, but uh, it sure made quite a bit of money in the last couple months. So, I would definitely look at those. Finally, small caps, and I've got. Uh, I've got two ways to look at small caps. One is buying positive cash flow yields. And that's important. And I've got the perfect ETF for it. I went through a whole bunch of them and it's a good one. So keep that in mind. Uh, I don't give about names. Some people do. I don't. Um, that's for my clients. All right. It's that simple. Um, and then finally, I think oil has been getting beat up pretty bad. And there's been some signs of a nice little bottom forming there. So oil stocks might be a good time. And I've got four or five on that list that look really, really good. So that's where I'd be looking. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget a wealth plan and the family inventory workbook, healthcare, retirement, and what to do, the checklist for, for the end of the year. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Beautiful outside. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, to buy low and sell high.
2: Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general,
0: Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.